Now, young people this evening, I wonder if anybody, maybe a parent, maybe a grandparent, has ever turned around and said to you, now, don't you be lying, and don't you be stealing, and don't you be bullying, because whatever you sow, you're going to reap it. Be careful what you do, be careful how you behave, because if you do that which is bad, you're going to get that which is bad. This idea of reaping what you sow is what's taught here in Galatians chapter 6 and the verse 7. We read here that God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Quite often this principle, this truth, is applied negatively. The Apostle Paul is one who does that. He applies it negatively. He speaks about those who sow to their flesh, shall of their flesh reap corruption. But he also applies it positively. He speaks about those who will sow to the Spirit, and shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Those who will listen to what the Spirit of God says in His Word. And in light of what the Spirit of God reveals regarding Christ and His salvation, they listen to it, they believe it, they receive it. They love it. And putting their trust in Christ, they live for Him. There are many blessings that we read of in God's precious Word. This evening I want simply to look at this truth, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And as I do so, I want you now tonight to simply see laws of the harvest. The first law I want you now to note tonight is this, that you and I can only reap what has been sown. You think about a farmer. Imagine a farmer tonight going out into his field. And it's dark outside, as we can see this evening. Imagine he goes out into his field and he's looking for carrots. Now, if he has not sown carrots, and nobody else has sown carrots in that field, is he going to get carrots? No, he's not. Because you can only reap what has been sown. If he was to leave that field, he was to go to another field, and he's looking for parsnips. And if he has not sown parsnips in that field, and nobody else ever sown parsnips in that field, is he going to get parsnips? No, he's not. Because the reality is that you and I can only reap what has been sown. This truth is seen not merely in the soil and in farming, but it's also seen everywhere. It's seen in society. A number of years ago, I had a root canal filling done in one of my teeth. And after a short time, that root canal filling failed. And I was in a lot of agony and in a lot of pain. And I will be honest with you, I have never been so thankful for paracetamol in my life. Never been so thankful for pain relief, for that which was able to help me. But you know, I could never have reaped the benefits of paracetamol unless somebody had went to the effort of developing what had been discovered, and then of designing and manufacturing and then packaging and transporting so that I could buy that paracetamol. I could not receive any benefits. I could not reap unless somebody else had sown. That applies to many aspects of life. Whenever it comes to medical things such as x-ray, CT scans, radiographs, ultrasounds, you know, I cannot benefit from any of this technology unless people had put the time and the energy and the effort into developing these things. You know, I cannot reap unless there has been a sowing. 
The same applies for your mobile phones. The same applies for your watches and all the rest of it. We cannot reap the blessings of these advances unless somebody had sown. This truth is not merely seen in the soil and in society, but it's also seen in salvation. That you and I can only reap what has been sown. If you want to turn me, please, to the Gospel according to John and the chapter 12. Keeping your finger in Galatians 6, because we'll be back there shortly. But John's Gospel and the chapter 12. Jesus Christ is speaking in this chapter. The Son of God. And in verse 24 of this chapter, he declares these words, Verily, verily. That's the idea of truly, truly. In fact, it's the same word, amen, amen. And it's almost like Christ is getting two spotlights, and and he's shining them on what he's about to say. It's almost like he's getting a yellow highlighter, and he wants you and I to understand and to grasp this. Verse 24, Christ says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What Jesus Christ is very simply saying that unless you sow that corn of wheat, there will be no fruit. But if you do sow that corn of wheat, then there will be an abundance of fruit. Now Christ is talking here more than farming. If you look at me please at verse 32. Christ says and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Jesus Christ, with this illustration of a corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying, Jesus Christ is using that to illustrate his life. That he would be lifted up on that cross between God and men, between heaven and earth. And there is Jesus Christ, if he did not take upon himself our sins, our lies and our jealousies and our selfishness and our idolatry, if Jesus Christ did not take upon himself our sin, and if he did not die, then you and I could never be saved. There's two things you and I need tonight. If we're ever to have a relationship with God in life, and to be saved from hell in eternity, and to enjoy Christ forever in that new heaven and earth, we need two things. We need, first of all, to have never done anything wrong. A perfect life. And more than that, we need a second thing. We need to have done everything absolutely perfect. Now, I am sure tonight that if we were all honest, we don't have either of those two things. We've all failed, we've all sinned, we've all done things that are wrong. We've all been selfish and jealous. We've all had our own little idols and times we've loved ourselves more than what we've loved God. We haven't loved God Perfectly, with all our heart, all our strength, all our mind, all our faculties. We haven't done that. We don't have these things. But Jesus Christ did both these things. Jesus Christ never did anything wrong. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And more than that, he came down as God the Son, taking upon himself that human nature, being born through Mary as the God-man, He lived a perfect life. Under the law of God, he fulfilled every jot and tittle, dotted every I, crossed every T of the law of God. He done nothing wrong. He did everything right. And with that perfect life, 
And with that spotless blood, he then shed it at Calvary, paying the debt for our sins. And you see, here's the good news tonight. The lesson of the harvest is that you and I can only reap if there has been a sowing. Well, praise God, you and I can reap tonight. Not because we've earned anything, or will ever earn anything. Not because we've deserved anything, or will ever deserve anything. But we can reap tonight because Christ has sown. Christ has done what's necessary. Lived a perfect life. Then went to the cross and paid the debt for our sins when he shed his blood. And paid and satisfied God's eternal wrath for our sins. We can reap tonight because Christ has sown. That's the law of the harvest. If there's been a sowing, there can be a reaping. And so tonight, let me ask you. Would you love to have peace? Genuine peace that all your sins are forgiven. All you've done in the past. Things you would never want written on the, law, on the wall in front of us. So things you'd never want anybody else to see. You'd want peace that all that's washed away. All that's forgiven. And indeed all that you will ever sin. That it will be forgiven too. You can have it. You can reap tonight. Because Christ sowed his perfect spotless life in death. And he rose again. To apply these blessings to us. You can reap peace tonight. Forgiveness tonight because Christ has sown his life in death. Are you one here tonight and you want a joy? An overwhelming joy. That you're loved. That you're a child of God. That the wrath of God no longer abides over you, but the infinite, eternal, unchanging love of God is towards you. That you're part of his family. You can have it tonight. Because Christ has sown his perfect, spotless life in death and rose again to apply it to us. Are you here tonight and you would love to have a faith? Perhaps you know other people and they're Christians. And you hear them talk about Jesus Christ, about he, how he's lovely. And he's the fairest of 10,000 to their soul. And he's the lily of the valley. And he's the rose of the Sharon fair. And he's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. And he's the love of their life. Even more than their spouse. Even more than their children. Christ is the love of their life. And yet you don't get it. And you don't see it. And you would love to have that faith that sees Christ in his beauty. Well, you can tonight. Because Christ has sown his perfect, spotless life in there. The purchase for us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And he rose again to apply it to us. To give us that faith that sees him and his beauty. Perhaps you'd want tonight a heart. A heart that truly loves Christ. A heart that hates that sin that you fall into again and again. You want to be freed from it. You want to be freed from the bondage. You want to be, you want to love Christ. You want to love what's right. You want to love what's pure. But yet you know that your heart's dead. Well, you can have such a heart tonight of love. You can have a heart that's free. Because Christ has sown his life in death. And he rose again to apply these blessings to you. You see, the first law of the harvest is simple. You and I can only reap if there's been a sowing. But praise God tonight, there has been a sowing. Christ has sown his life in death and rose again to apply these blessings to us. 
Christ said, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground, well, it abides alone, there'll be no fruit. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. I wonder, will you come to Christ tonight and ask him to apply all these purchased at Calvary? Apply it to my account. Save me. Give me now a faith that sees you in your beauty. A faith and a heart that loves you. Give me that forgiveness of my sins. Give me that, that joy that I'm a child of God. I'm loved with an everlasting love. Give it to me, Lord. Will you come to Christ tonight if you haven't already? And if you have, well then will you acknowledge tonight, even just where you're sitting, that all you have has come by grace. It's not what you've done. It's not what you'll ever do. It's not by being a faithful attender at church. It's not by being a good person, a good husband, a good son, a good daughter, a good wife. It's simply because Christ has done the sowing that you're able to do the reaping. And will you say, Lord, thank you. Lord, help me to love you because you have loved me. The first law tonight is that you and I can only reap what has been sown. Before I move to the second law, I may just mention that there's another application here. If you want to turn me, please, to Romans chapter 10. Romans in the chapter 10. The Apostle Paul is writing, and in verse 14 he says these words, How then shall they call on him? That is Christ in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him that is Christ, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This whole law of the harvest that you can only reap if there's been a sowing, you know, applies to evangelism. How can people believe in Christ if they've never heard of Christ? How can someone reap salvation unless they've heard of the one who is the Savior? A number of years ago I was... You know, talking to a friend of mine as he walked along the Moor Mountains, it's a beautiful sunny day, I can remember it vividly, as he walked up and down hill after hill and mountain after mountain, my friend who would not be a believer, turned around and said to me in the midst of our conversation, tell me Paul, what happens to all the people in the world that have never heard the gospel? What happens to people in the tribes in Africa? What happens to people in the little tiny villages in China and India that have never heard the Christian message of the gospel. What happens then? I knew the answer. And I prayed to God for wisdom and how to answer him. And a thought came to me that never entered my mind before, and it was simply this. No matter where people are in this world, as they grew up not knowing the gospel, they didn't just spring up from the ground there. They didn't spring up from the ground in the tribes in Africa. They didn't just spring up from the ground in the little tiny villages in China. Or in, they didn't just spring up from the ground. Someone had to walk there. And as you go back generation after generation and generation after generation, eventually you'll get back to two occasions where everybody in the whole world knew the gospel. You'll get back, first of all, to Noah and his family. They survived the flood. They were the only people alive on this earth, and they all knew the gospel. And before that, you would get back to Adam and Eve and their family, and every one of them knew the gospel. So if you can get back to a time where everybody knew the gospel, the question comes, what happened? How is there that there's perhaps billions of people on this planet today that don't know the gospel? 
How is it there's billions of people with tension this planet and they cannot reap the blessings of Christ and salvation because they've never heard of Christ? And the answer is simple. A parent did not pass the message on. You see, if everybody at the earth on these two occasions knew the gospel, then the only way people could rise up not knowing the gospel would be if a parent did not pass the message on. In the book of Genesis, we read about Cain, one of the children of Adam and Eve. He hated the gospel. He rejected the gospel. He rejected the idea that he needed a savior, and he didn't want that savior. And the very likelihood is that whenever his children came, they didn't tell them the gospel. And so you're going to have part of the world rising up not knowing the gospel. But then we also read of another child of an Adam and Eve, of Seth. In Genesis chapter 5, we read of a, a godly line through Seth. People that believed the gospel and loved the gospel and walked with God. You see, the message was passed on. And so tonight, if you're here and you're not a believer, you may say, well, you know what? What does it matter? What does it matter if I don't believe? It's a, it's a very significant matter. Because if you're not passing the gospel message on, your life is having great consequences. And you and I will be judged for the, for the influence that we either do or do not have. Perhaps you say, but hold on a minute, preacher. You know, okay, I, I don't believe the gospel myself, but, but I send my children. You know, I, I send them to Sunday school. And I send them to children's meetings. And that's good if you do that. Maybe you say, well, I don't have children, but I, but I tell my friends at work you know, that, you know, that they should go to church. Well, it's good if you tell them that they should go to church. It's good that you tell them that Christ is the one who loved us and gave himself for us and he's worthy of our hearts and lives. But yet, if you don't put your trust in Christ yourself and you don't love Christ yourself with all that you have and you haven't called upon him for salvation yourself, no matter what you say with your lips, you're denying it with your life and you're not passing the true message on. You're saying Christ is worthy of all, but you don't really believe it because you're not practicing it. The first law of harvest is that there can only be a, sow, a reaping if there has been a sowing. Are we saved? Have we asked Christ to pour out what he has sown? That we will reap the blessing of that. And are we passing the message on? Let us not be like Cain that failed. Let us be like Seth that believed and passed the message on. How can they hear without a preacher? Notice with me a second law of harvest. The first is you and I can only reap if there has been a sowing. The second law is that you and I reap the same kind as what we sow. If you look at me please again at Galatians chapter 6. And there we read, God is not marked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, boys and girls, we had that illustration of a farmer going into a field and he was looking for carrots. Now, imagine he actually did sow something in his field. He sowed cauliflower. What's he going to get? He's not going to get carrots. He's going to get cauliflower because he'll reap the same kind as what he sowed. And he went into the other field and he was looking for parsnips, but he actually sowed peas. What's he going to get? He's going to get peas, not parsnips. Because you reap the same kind as what you sow. Maybe there's someone here tonight. And you say, preacher, 
you know, I, I, I want to go to heaven. Perhaps you say, preacher, I want God's forgiveness. I want God's mercy. Perhaps you say, preacher, preacher, I want Christ. But the reality is that while you say you want heaven, sadly, you're living like you want hell. You say you want forgiveness and mercy, but sadly the reality is that you're living in rebellion. You may say, preacher, I want Christ. But week after week and day after day, you go out rejecting Christ, ignoring Christ. And what's happening is that you're saying that you want carrots, but you're actually sowing cauliflower. And you're saying, oh, I want the parsnips, but you're actually sowing peas in the sense that you sow one type and expect to reap the opposite type. Now, that's not how the law of harvest is. We read in the Bible of a man called Herod. He was one who, on, an oper- on one occasion, had Jesus Christ stand before him. And we read that Herod desired to see a work done by Christ. But Christ never spoke to him. Christ never did a work before him. And you see, the reason was that Christ had already sent a servant to tell Herod all about Christ. That was John the Baptist. He had told Herod all about Christ. And again and again and again, while Herod heard all about Christ, Herod kept rejecting Christ. He was sowing one type. And as a result, he reaped the same type. You see, in Galatians 8, we read, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You and I reap the same kind as what we sow. And so if you're here tonight and you, and you really do want Christ, and you really do want forgiveness, and you really do want heaven, well then you need to understand the ABCD of the gospel. You need to admit that you are a sinner. And your life is rebellion before God as it currently stands. You want to imagine and give you life and give you breath, and give you family and give you friendship and give you the clothes that you wear. And yet not loving him with all your heart and life and soul, it's rebellion. You need to admit that you're a sinner. There's the A. You need to believe that Jesus Christ, he's done all that's necessary to purchase for you that you may reap every spiritual blessing. You may reap forgiveness. Believe that Christ has done it all. There's the B. The C is you need to call upon Christ. Ask him to apply it to your account. And then D, you need to dedicate your life to him. Not to earn the salvation. We can never earn it. But in thankfulness for what Christ has done. Turning from your sin. Turning on to him. If you want Christ, and follow the ABCD of the gospel. And those who call upon the name of the Lord, we read in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Christ will not reject you. He'll save you. All that come on to him, he'll no wise cast you out. He'll receive you. And of course, there's an application here to the child of God. In salvation, you and I may say, you know, I, I want a greater knowledge of Christ. You know, I, there's that godly lady in church, or there's that godly man in church, and they have such a wonderful knowledge of the Lord. I would love to have that knowledge. Maybe you say, you know, that there's that godly person in the prayer meeting, and you know, they've seen so many answers to prayer. I'd love the blessings of a prayer-filled life. But while we say we want these things, the reality is that instead of filling our minds with the Word of God, 
Can we fill our minds with the nonsense of the day whenever we have free time? And how can we expect to sow to one type and expect to reap the other? We say we want the knowledge of God, but we fill our mind with rubbish. Our minds then be filled with rubbish and not the knowledge of God. We, we say we want the, the, the blessings that come from a, a prayer-filled life, but yet we are prayerless in our lives. How can we expect to sow to the one and reap the opposite type? The law of the harvest is that we reap the same kind as what we sow. Whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap. Notice with me tonight a third law of harvest. Not merely do you and I reap the same kind as what we sow, but thirdly, we reap often in a different season than we sow. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, we read, For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall, that's a future tense, that shall he also reap. You and I live in a society whereby many of us often want things instantly. If you wanted to tell a friend something, maybe you had some exciting news to tell them. Well, I would imagine that most of us would just pick up the phone, would text them, would WhatsApp them, would, would just phone them even. We wouldn't get out a piece of paper and we wouldn't write a letter, generally speaking, because that'll take time to go through the post office and everything else. No, we'd just rather give it to them instantly. We want something done, we want it done instantly. Or indeed, if you're out shopping and you go to the supermarket and you see, okay, there's several people at the tills, but there's long queues. Well, you know, I could just go and do it myself at the do-it-yourself till. Great. I just want to do it instantly. Even if it means more work because I have to do the stuff myself, but sure, I'll get it done instantly. Or maybe those who shop online and, you, and you're buying something off Amazon, whatever it may be, and you, know, you can get it in three days' time for free postage, or you could get it next day delivery for 50p, and you're buying a present for somebody in two weeks' time, you sort of think, yeah, sure, it's only 50p, just get it tomorrow. We love to have things instantly. And while it is true that God can do things instantly, for example, if you call upon Christ tonight for, for salvation, he will save you instantly, yet the general pattern of life is that there is a time gap between the sowing and the reaping. I don't know if you like Brussels sprouts, personally I'm not a big fan of them, but yet if you want to enjoy Brussels sprouts in, in next month, November, well they needed to be sown in early summer. If you like your beetroot and you want to enjoy it here in the autumn, you need to sow it back in spring. If you want your broad beans next summer, you need to sow them this winter. There's a time gap between the sowing and the reaping. And there's lessons here for you and I. I remember whenever I was at university speaking with a, another student. I was with a number of friends and we were doing a bit of outreach. And speaking to this particular young man, I remember vividly where it was, just outside Queens. And this young man said he didn't believe in God and said there was no God. I told him the Bible makes it clear there is a God. And I know there is a God. And he turned around and said, I'll prove to you, Paul, there is no God. And he put his fist up in the air and he said, God, if you're real, strike me down now. He put his hand down and said, look, Paul, there you go. Nothing happened. God's not real. I trust there'd be nobody here this evening that would be as foolish as that. There's often a time gap between the sowing and the reaping. In the book of Numbers, chapter 32, in the verse 23, we're told, Be sure your sin, the punishment of your sin, 
will find you out. And you see, in Galatians 6, we read that these words, verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. The word for mocked actually comes from a root word, which is the word for nose. The word for mocked comes from that root, nose. And you think, well, how, does, how do you work that one out? The idea is of somebody, and perhaps you've seen it, you know, <laughs> laughing through their nose. God's not going to judge me. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to your flesh, to your sin, you will reap corruption. And you will reap everlasting destruction. Men and women, don't tempt God. Make sure you're right with him. Get right tonight. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And dear child of God, perhaps you're praying for somebody. Perhaps God's given a promise regarding a loved one and you're pleading that promise. And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying that God will keep his promise. Or maybe you're witnessing to somebody. You're crying that God would bless his word or bring forth fruit. Well, I encourage you, don't give up. Because there's often a time gap, positively speaking now, a time gap between the sowing and the reaping. In the Bible, we read about a godly man called Abraham, and God gave him a promise he was going to have a child through his wife Sarah. But yet years went by, and God's promise didn't appear to come. And he turned the trust in his own ways. And he went and he committed adultery with Hagar in order to get a child, thinking, well, this will bring about God's promise. I'll do it my way. But it didn't, didn't bring about God's promise. God's promise would come through Sarah, and God's promise did come through Sarah. And yet, turning to his own way and his own method ended up with tragedy. The son that was born through Hagar fighting with Isaac for generations, even up to this present day. Read of Jacob, who was given a promise from God that he would be the heir. And yet Jacob, failing to trust in God to do it his way, God, Jacob decided to do things his way. And he turned to deception in order to try and get the blessing. He didn't need to. You know, the, the lesson that there's a time gap often between the sowing and the reaping teaches every one of us not to trust the circumstances that we see around us, but to trust the very Word of God. If God makes a promise, we're told... In Numbers 23, 19, 1 Samuel 15, 29, Hebrews 6, 18, Titus 1, 2, again and again and again and again. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. And so, dear child of God, let us be like David. God gave David a promise that he would become king. And even though it looked for, for a long time, he was hated by Saul, hunted by Saul, betrayed by his own kindred, and David was hiding in a cave. And David had the opportunity to take things into his own hand, to bring things to pass, and to kill Saul, which would make him the next king. But David didn't. He just trusted that God would fulfill his promise. Did God fulfill his promise? God did. God gave Paul, the apostle, a promise that he would get to Rome, but yet for two years he was in prison. The governor came in and again and again. I have no doubt Paul's hopes was raised every time the governor came in, thinking that the governor might do what was right and release Paul because he was innocent. And Paul could have turned to his own methods and bribed the governor, but Paul didn't. He just trusted God would keep his promise. Did God keep his promise for Paul? God did. And after two years, Paul was released and he got to go to Rome. 
Dear child of God, God's given you a promise for your service, for your prayers, for your children, for your family, for your loved ones. Dear child of God, remember this lesson. There's often a time gap between the sowing and the reaping. Keep praying, keep pleading, keep witnessing, keep serving, keep trusting. Not your circumstances, but the Word of God. The fourth law of harvest is tonight that why there's often a time gap between the sowing and the reaping. The fourth law is that you and I will often reap more than what we sow. I don't know how many farmers there are this evening. I imagine in a country church like this, there's bound to be at least one. Well, why do farmers plant their seed? Well, surely it's because they expect to earn a profit. Why, why buy a thousand pound worth of seed and go to all the energy and the effort and all the time to sow the seed unless you're hoping that there's going to be a profit as a result of it? You sow a thousand pound of seed, well, you're hoping to get more than a thousand pound of vegetables, whatever it is, back. I remember whenever I started working on a potato farm in Cumber, and I was amazed that you take an old wrinkly Cumber spud with shoots coming out of it, and you put it into the ground. Not merely will you get one beautiful, delicious Cumber spud back, but you can get two, three, four, and five Cumber spuds back. I thought it was amazing. The law of the harvest is you and I will often reap more than what we sow. Of course, that's positive. If you and I, dear children of God, tonight we pray, we pray for our loved one, and the Lord saves them. You know, we, we've sown once, but we will reap so much more because just think of the amount of people that they can be a witness to, the amount of people that they in turn will pray for. We read about the disciple Andrew. He invited his brother Peter to come and to see Christ. And, and Peter then coming to know Christ as own Savior. Andrew did not simply just sow once and reap once. No, Andrew's sowing resulted in an abundance of reaping. Because Peter would go on to preach the gospel. And God would use him to see many souls saved. You see, the lesson tonight is that you and I will reap more than what we sow. In Matthew 13, 23, from listening to the prayers in the prayer meeting beforehand, I believe this was preached on this morning, but whenever the Word of God is sown in a person's life by the Spirit of God, it will bring forth fruit some 100-fold, 60 and 30. Oh, be encouraged. You, know, you and I could go to the banks today and the economy, the way it is, and we may get it just... A percentage of a percent for interest. But yet, dear child of God, you and I do work for the Lord. And Christ said, whatever you give up for me, you'll receive a hundredfold. Not just 5% or 2.5% or even 50%, not even 100%, but a hundredfold. Is the service of the Lord not worth it? We'll receive it in eternity. But if you're here tonight, and I apply it this way, if you're an unbeliever, let this law impact you. You will reap more than what you sow. In the book of Hosea, in the Old Testament, read about the children of Israel, and they were at this time rebelling against the Lord. And Hosea turned around and said to them, you have sown the wind, but you will reap the whirlwind. A perfect illustration of that is seen in the life of King David. Some of you will know that King David, he committed adultery with a lady, and God sent a servant called Nathan to speak to David. And if you were to look at 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verses 9 and following, you'll see that Nathan, God's servant, gave David four indictments, and then he gave David four judgments. The first indictment was this, David, you killed Uriah. David, the judgment is, the sword will never depart from your house. David killed one, but he would receive so many more dead from his household. He sowed the wind, but he reaped the whirlwind. 
The second indictment was, in verse 9, you took Uriah's wife, but David, your wives, plural, will be taken. The third indictment was, you defiled Uriah's wife secretly, but David, your wives will be defiled publicly and openly before all Israel. You reaped, you sowed the wind, but you reaped the whirlwind. David, the fourth indictment, you gave occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the Lord. David, the child that's born to you shall surely die. Sometimes you and I may turn around and say, sins only it's a small thing. It doesn't really matter. But I want you to see tonight that whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap, but you will reap it in abundance. If you sow to sin, you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind if you don't repent. The Bible speaks of hell as a place of torments, the blackness of darkness forever, where not merely is every blessing bestowed, to try every blessing that is bestowed in this life taken away, love and joy and peace and comfort. It's all taken away. Even the seeing of light and color, it's all taken away. But every single curse is bestowed in hell. You sow the wind and you will reap the whirlwind. And so I plead with you tonight, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Get right with God. Ask him for his mercy. We read in the Bible, he's plenteous in mercy, rich in mercy. He delights in mercy. Ask him for mercy. Ask him for forgiveness. Uh, my time has gone this evening. And I'll just close with this. And that is another law. A good harvest is only reaped if we persevere. You see, in Galatians chapter 6, we read, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Then in verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You can talk to any farmer, talk to any gardener, and they will tell you that it's not just planting the seed and then leaving it. No, you have to care for it. You have to water it, you have to nourish it, you have to protect it perhaps. What happens if you don't persevere with it? A bad harvest will come. I'm not asking you tonight, will you just make a decision? I'm going to decide for Christ. Just make a decision, that's it. I'm asking, will you listen to the words of Christ whereby he said in Mark 1, 15, repent. And it's in the continual tense. Repent and continue to repent. Believe and continue to believe the good news. See, tonight I'm not asking, did you once ask Christ to save you? Did you once put your trust in Christ? I'm asking, are you now trusting in Christ for your Savior? And then I'm asking, did you once turn from your sin unto the Lord? I'm asking, are you now turning from your sin and unto the Lord? Because Christ's command is repent and keep repenting. Believe and keep believing the good news that Christ loves you. A bad harvest. What do you need to do for a bad harvest to come? Just do nothing. Just do nothing. The weeds and the thorns all come by themselves. Just do nothing. I'm asking you this evening as I speak to myself, are you and I believing this good news 
that Jesus Christ is God's chosen Savior, the only Savior for mankind. And because he's sown his perfect, spotless life in death and rose again to apply salvation to us, I've asked him, I've called out to him for it. I'm believing that he's my Savior. That even though I'm sinful and of myself, and God's holy and perfect, yet asking Christ to save me, he's come down and covered me with his spotless righteousness. Whenever God looks down from above, he doesn't see me in my sin. He sees Christ in his spotless purity. And he loves me because of Christ. I'm believing in the good news of Christ. And as a result, I'm turning from my sin and living for him. Are you believing the gospel? And are you repenting toward Christ, giving him your all? I just conclude tonight with another law of harvest and simply says that you think that you take that farmer at the very beginning and he went looking for his carrots. Never came to the harvest time. He didn't sow carrots, nobody else sowed carrots, he couldn't get carrots. You know what he couldn't do anything about it. It's harvest. He can't do anything about it. Can't do anything about his past actions. But he can do something about next year. And you see tonight if you, you're here and you sort of think, well hold on a minute. I I have been living in sin and my heart's not right. I'm not really believing that Christ has given everything for me. That He is God the Son, shed His blood for me. God Almighty loved me and died for me. And I'm not loving Him. And I'm not trusting Him. I'm not giving my all to Him. You can't do anything about what, last, what you've done last year. But you can do something about next year. You can't do any of what you've done in the past week, but you can do some of what you'll do this week. And you can confess your sin before the Lord, knowing that He's faithful and just to forgive those that call upon Him. And He's faithful to cleanse you, to forgive you, and to change you. Do you really believe tonight this reality that Christ has done all that's necessary? Do you really believe that God Almighty came down for you and he loved you. And even if there's a comfort, nobody else in the world, he still came for you. Do you believe that? And have you asked him to apply what he's done to your account? Ask him for that heart to love him above all, that he will be the lily of the valley to you, the fairest ten thousand to you, and you will love him with all that you have because he's given all for you. Are you repenting? And are you believing the gospel? The blessings of salvation are there, but you must call out to Christ for them. Will you tonight? And will you live for him who gave himself for us?